sins away. Oh, say much I'm glad. From the international headquarters of the Sword of the Lord Publishers and Ministries here in downtown Murfreesboro, Tennessee, in the greater Nashville area, in the heart of Tennessee, with Tennessee and the world at heart, this is Making a Difference, and I'm Dr. Shelton Smith. What a joy it is for me to welcome you on this Monday, and I trust we'll have some good things that'll be a blessing to you. Let me just remind you that today I am in Van Cleve, Mississippi, down in the Biloxi area. I'm at the Ramsey Hills Baptist Church, and we're having a great meeting there, and I trust that many of you in that area will plan to be with us. I'll be there tonight and tomorrow night, and I trust that you'll plan to join us. Now, don't forget as well, the Sword of the Lord Men's Conference is coming November 10 and 11. Go to our website, check it out. All the details are there. Today, we're going to hear the first part of a message that I did a while back in a conference, and I trust that it will be a blessing to you. This message is entitled, If the Lord Be God, Follow Him. So here it is, part one, If the Lord Be God, Follow Him. Take your Bible, please, and turn with me to the book of Philippians, chapter number four. Chapter number four. Therefore, my brethren, dearly beloved, and longed for, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. I'm going to get back to that in a minute. So stand fast in the Lord. I beseech Eudeus and beseech Syntyche that they be of the same mind in the Lord. And I entreat thee also, true yoke fellow, help those women which labored with me in the gospel with Clement also, and with other my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your moderation be known unto all men. The Lord is at hand. Be careful for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, Whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things uh, thing are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, whenever this great passage in chapter 4 and verse 1 says, Stand fast in the Lord, it is an admonition to every one of the sons and daughters of God, every one of the blood-bought believers. It is an admonition to us that we need to listen to and pay attention to. And as already been noted by Brother Williams, there's a lot of things happening in our world, and even so in Christian circles, and even so in fundamental circles, there's a lot of people deciding to ditch the ship and a lot of people deciding to go do things that they ought never to even thought of doing, much less actually put it uh, into action. And uh, you and I need to back up sometimes and look very carefully at the instructions and the mandates that we have and decide whether or not that we are in fact on track and if we are, do exactly the admonition that we have. And he says, so stand fast in the Lord. That means that we are to stand true. 
Every man we know may be a liar, but we're to stand true. And not only are we to stand true, but we're to stand up tall amidst our peers and amidst all the people that we know. We're to stand up. Everybody else may be seated in cowardice, but you and I are to stand up tall and be counted like we ought to be. Now, folks, uh, this passage takes for granted, sets in place that God is God, in heaven there's a God, and the Lord is God, he who is almighty is our God. And that being the case, it says, so stand fast in the Lord. I don't know whether you've noticed or not, but uh, most who have been saved very long have discovered that the Christian life has a degree of warfare connected with it. Galatians chapter 5 makes very clear and if you've just been saved a week or a month or a year, let me, let me help you out just a little bit here tonight. People have been saved very long. They've been coming to church. They know this. But some of you that maybe have just been saved a little while and you, you haven't figured out yet why you've got all this struggle going on in you, why you've got all of this battle going on all the time. I mean, you come to church and you feel like that you could absolutely do everything under the sun. I mean, you, you get all excited when you hear the choir sing, you listen to the Word of God read, and you say, man, that'll work, and I know I can do that. But you get out on the job tomorrow and things start going wrong, and sometimes you go wrong with it, and you go home at night then and you feel guilty because you know you didn't walk with God like you ought to during the day and you say what's going on there's a war going on son in your life there's a war going on there's a battle going on there's a there's a conflict trying to take control in your life Amen. Galatians chapter 5 says of the flesh wars against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and that battle you say well when is that battle going to be over whenever they start walking by and they look and say doesn't he look natural then the battle will be over but in the meantime, that battle is going to continue and there's going to be this constant struggle for control of your life. You may want to read some more about that in addition to Galatians chapter 5 and look at a passage like 1 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3. 1 Corinthians chapters 2 and 3 explain uh, the, the scenario uh, when you're unsaved, you're a natural man. You've only got one nature. You don't have a lot of stuff inside you that's pulling and tugging, not like it is once you get saved. You're just a one-natured individual. But at the point where that you're saved, God gives you a new nature. The old nature is still there. But the new nature that is put within you, that spiritual nature, begins to do battle against the old nature. And as a child of God, you, you have the option on any given day, at any given hour, you have the option to be in one of two conditions. You can either be carnal or you can be spiritual. Now, you cannot ever be natural again. You cannot ever be natural again. Because when you got saved, you got saved freely and fully and forever. Now, what happens is, if you, if you continue to do all the stuff like you used to do it, or some of the stuff like you used to do it, you're just as saved as you've ever been, but you're in a state of carnality. And that state of carnality, it, there, there is no place on the planet that is more miserable. I mean, that carnal Christian has the potential to be more miserable than any unsaved person in town. Because whenever you let the flesh dominate your life and let carnality color the whole arena of your Christian life, you have set yourself up for absolute misery in the Christian life. You're not going to have joy. You're not going to have the blessing of God. You're not going to have a lot of things 
But when you find yourself in that state of carnality, you ought to say, there's a place over here that is called the spiritual life, and that's where I need to get, and I want to learn how to get beyond this state of carnality, whether I'm still playing the game, sometimes like I used to play it, and where I'm still letting the flesh dominate my life, and I want to get out of this arena of carnality, and I want to get over here where that I'm behaving and acting and thinking and doing like a real Christian ought to do. We have a lot of folks in Christian circles who get in the throes of this carnality and they wind up quitting. There are people who no doubt sat in this meeting last year who have tossed in the towel and have quit serving God and they're sitting out here somewhere in town tonight. They're as miserable as they can be because they're still saved but they're in carnality and, and they didn't come to church this morning, and they're not going to be here Wednesday night, and they're not going to be here the next Sunday. And, and they, 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 have, they have just said, hey, I, I'm just, I, I just don't feel like doing it, and I'm not going to serve God. And they're sitting in the quitter's seat. We've got other people who haven't quit, but I'm telling you what, you wouldn't know but what they, I mean, to listen to them. I mean, they whine and gripe, and, and uh, to use a real good uh, term that I grew up on, they bellyache all the time. And, uh, and honestly, when you get over here and begin to act like a Christian ought to act, it'll take the whine out of your voice. Amen. Whenever you get over here in the spiritual arena, it, it'll, it'll get you to resign from the grunt, gripe, and groan club that you've been a member of. Amen. Amen. I mean, it just moves you away from that. And we've got a lot of folks who haven't quit yet, but they will one of these days because they are whining and groaning and complaining all the time. And, uh, and I've watched this a while, and people who flounder in carnality, and who gripe and fuss, and who create trouble in church all the time, you watch it. One of these days, they'll be out here running with the world again. Brother, you, you can't flounder in this carnal arena without paying some price for it. You say, oh, I've been lingering around in there for the last 38 years. Yeah, but what happened to your kids? What happened to the rest of your family? What about what happened to other people that you influenced? What happened to some of them? You say, you don't know me. No, but you tell me where you are and I can describe what's going on in your life. I'm telling you, we've got to get off of this and we've got to get over here in the winner's circle. We've got to get over here in the victory circle. We've got to get to the place where God wants us to be. Otherwise, there's going to be a price. I was uh, visiting a local hospital when I was still in Maryland. One day, walked in the lobby, stopped at the desk and asked for a room number or something. And there... Right in the lobby was a clergyman. I don't think it was a preacher, he was a clergyman. And uh, <laughs> I knew the guy, I'd seen him around. And, uh, and I went over and uh, just kind of passed by him. I said, hey, how you doing? Shook hands with him, said, how you doing? I wish I hadn't asked. 30 minutes later, I was standing there saying, uh-huh, oh, oh, uh-huh, oh, you don't say, oh, wow. I mean, 30 minutes later, I was looking around to see if I could get counseling somewhere. I was, I was depressed. I was discouraged. I mean, here's a guy. He's a pastor. He's a clergyman. And he's at the hospital. I know he's going up to see somebody. I'm praying, oh, dear God, I don't know what the person is he's going to see, but I, I tell you, he don't need to go see them. I mean, I mean, they're going to be in bad shape when he gets done with them. Amen. Hey, listen, what I'm telling you is this can get a hold of people like me and you just like it can get a hold of anybody. 
And you and I need to come to understand that God has a plan that enables us to climb out of the hole we've dug. God enables us to be able to make it even in the midst of the darkness and the drought. And God enables us to get out of this old trash pit we've been living in and to get over here and begin to do the spiritual things that God intended that every one of his sons and daughters would do. You say, well, what kind of a plan is he given? Boy, I'm glad you asked because it's right here in this chapter. Look at verse number four. He says, rejoice in the Lord always, and uh, because he knew somebody immediately would call a committee meeting to vote on whether we should do that or not, he says, and again I say, rejoice. And the fact is, this verse is the beginning point where that every son and daughter of God ought to, ought to camp and ought to get themselves set, so that in the midst of the darkness, in the time of the drought, in the day of difficulty, I mean, when Ahab and Jezebel are in charge of everything, you and I need to know that we can get up on Monday and Friday and every other day of the week and go about our business and perform like children of God ought to perform. I'm kind of an early riser most days. <laughs> Always just kind of got up, the crack of dawn. My wife, for almost 40 years, is not an early riser. I don't mean by that that she sleeps all day. She's she doesn't, she doesn't do that. But, but there's about an hour to hour and a half difference between my inner alarm clock and her inner alarm clock. And when I'm getting up at 5.30, 20 minutes to 6, she's still got at least another hour, maybe another hour and a half that she's wanting to sleep. And most of the time we've made this work out all right. But you know, I discovered something. But a lot of us get up in the morning and we get up planning to be mad. We get up planning uh, to be on the, on the wrong side of the equation. We get up just waiting for somebody to show up so we can bite their head off. I'm convinced that sometimes people get to the point where that they just say, you know, I'm who I am and I'll just say and do whatever I want to do. And if you well, dear friends, we have to interrupt right there. But tomorrow we'll get part two of this message entitled, If the Lord Be God, Follow Him. Now, remember, I'd love to hear from you, and I hope that you'll be writing to me real soon. Write to me, Dr. Shelton Smith, at P.O. Box 1099, Murfreesboro, Tennessee, 37133. The email address is radio at swordofthelord.com. And until tomorrow, God bless you. Have a good rest of the day, and goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.